I believe there's a hero in all of us. I'm a superhero. I'm a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The real Brian show. Do you believe you have a choice in life? Something happens to you. Do you believe that you have the ability to choose how you respond to it? Let's chat. Oh, did you know that there's a new Battlestar Galactica series and a Matrix movie coming out? What? All right. Here's the other thing. What do you think of gene editing? We're going to nerd out on that today. Plus, this show just got significantly colder. Let's rock it. Captain Influence. Hello. Hey, are you cold Ariel too? Ryan. I know I'm like freezing right now. Bunch of wimps. <laughs> I'm the real Brian. Wait, who is that? <laughs> Someone shut the door, please. I know it's like winter in here. It's like a blizzard. There's a voice that I just heard that sounds vaguely familiar. Bunch of wimps. Oh, wimps. Is. Yeah. Oh, who is that? Hey, y'all. This is Miss Ice. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks. Yay. I see that you felt me before you heard me. <laughs> Just the way you mm, like it. That's <laughs> right. We sure did. Mm. <laughs> How y'all doing? You know, is that a good way to greet somebody? I see I, you felt me before you said hi to me. I know. As it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, really? You chose those words. <laughs> that's it. I was 21 a, at a bar. There's a pickup I, I've been line watching right there. too much Arrow, so it's like oh. it's felicity coming out in me. Right? Wait, 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 wait. Are you actually watching Arrow right now? I'm actually watching Arrow right now. Dude, you how can you do the show and watch Arrow at the same time? Cow. Well, you guys aren't that interesting. So. Oh yeah. You know what's so funny? I just started up Arrow again this week. Really? Yeah, for the first with, time in almost two years. Most, okay, so you're you started let's see season six then. Yes, because season eight will air this year. Yes, so season yeah. six. Yeah. Okay. Where, where are you at? I just finished season seven. Oh my gosh, this is funny that we both started up at the same time. I again. know. Well, I was thinking, okay, season eight is coming. How can I not watch it? I know. I mean, even with all that's happened. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I have to go out with Arrow. I started mm-hmm. with Arrow. I have to go out with it. But you know, it's so funny. I'm curious your thought on this one, too. So nothing against Arrow. I'll tell you what. Ever since I stepped down from Arrow Squad, which, by the way, it, there's like a major bittersweetness to that. Like, I really miss it. But oh, at the same sure. time, for my own health. It was a really good decision to step down. And now that I'm not analyzing the show anymore, mm. I'm enjoying it again. 100% agree. Yeah, but here's you the thing. Do you not find yourselves getting back in the habit of analyzing it, though? I'm like, not at all. Okay. I good. am actually really relieved that I don't have to. I mean, the first two seasons absolutely warrant conversation. Yeah. But then they started this pattern in season three where they introduced some... Easter egg really early on that they hadn't really thought out and just (laughs) had to like put in a bunch of really crazy storylines in order to make it work. And it just ruined everything. I mean, there were excellent episodes in the midst of all of those. Oh yeah. But the arcs were just like, really? (laughs) (laughs) It just didn't feel like it was thought through, even though you, you have to think that it was, it was, that's just how it felt. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like, 
I've been watching, you know, season six and, and I started halfway through cause I ended basically at that crossover. So I went back and rewatched the crossover okay. and then I watched like, you know, I, I think I'm half, well, probably two thirds of the way done with season six now. So what was really weird is I had this, this moment of, of nostalgia. So I'm like, I'm going to go back and watch one of the oh. episodes from season one. Uh-huh. And I think it was the first one on, was it uh number two honor thy father? I think that was number two. Anyway, yeah, that sounds like number two. So I'm watching this and I, I had literally just watched a season six episode and then I went and watched a season one episode and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can see why I loved season one so much and why I'm just not as into the later seasons. It's almost completely different if you actually look at the style and yeah, he's, yeah. he's monologuing to himself. Yep. I mean, even he as a, as a character is almost completely different. Well, and, and, and not in a way that be, someone grows, right? I mean, well, there should be the person who starts out a TV show should not be the same person that ends that TV show. If there is, there's no growth. Sure. But it even there and there is growth, but there's just it feels different, though. It almost feels like he became a different character, not just like he grew into a more mature version of himself. I I would argue, though, that he has to be a different person. True. Because true. The person who came home from the island was a serial killer, basically. You don't want that to be your main character. <laughs> Maybe you do. I, yeah. I guess people liked Hannibal. Is that is that what uh, Hannibal was about? I actually I shouldn't know. say that because I don't think I know. <laughs> Wait, wasn't Dexter about that? Sure. Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. Stylistically, <laughs> though, I do find it funny how like season one just felt so masterfully done and you know, you're into mm-hmm. season six and it's 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 like catty. It's like teenage angsty catty stuff going on and I'm just like Seriously? Yeah. And I and I will say then that that is what I loved about season seven is that it felt more like season one without having to revert all the characters back to their season one okay. people. So I'm I'm still going. Which got me really excited for the next season. Good. All right. Well, I'm very excited about that. It, it's just kind of funny to go back and watch. And the other thing yeah. I've noticed oh, and seriously, I don't know if seven is better in this sense, but number six, like season six is starting to feel dated now. And season one does not feel dated, oh. but season six feels dated kind of like TV just doesn't really do that anymore. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe season seven's different, but that's really funny. I will go back and catch up on the flash too. Same kind of thing. I'm really excited about the, uh, what was a flashpoint crossover? Just yeah, hearing Tom one. Wellings coming back. Did I you know. hear that? Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. He's, he's <laughs> reprising his role as, as Superman. And so is, oh. um, Erica Durant, 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 Durant. What is her last name? Durant's Durant's or something. I I don't actually know how to pronounce it. I think you're right. Durant's Erica Durant. So she's coming back as Lois. Lois. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But then so is Brandon Routh coming back as Superman from Superman returns because they're pulling all of the earths together. So it's all of the alternate earths are going to be inside the superverse. Oh my gosh. I can't (laughs) wait. That's going to be exciting. Enter the superverse. Now what would be amazing is if they were able to get Chloe showed up. (laughs) (laughs) She's in prison. She's not coming. <laughs> she could have the uh, Lex so Luthor scene instead. She's just like in prison getting cool. filmed. And now they could do, uh, it'd be great if they brought like Henry Cavill and Jason Momoa in, you know, as Aquaman, like bringing the DC movie universe in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Pile them all on. Yeah. I think they're bringing Titans in. Maybe, maybe, but I know that they're bringing black lightning. So exciting. So we'll see. That's mega crossover. Uh, that's our little in- wow, intro. Who nerd out. We, we spent the first 10 minutes on Arrow. <laughs> I know, considering you and I have not watched it in almost two years. That's funny. I know. Anyway, did you go back to Supergirl? 
I'm kidding. I am I, not. Anyway, no, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, Justina. I know she loves that show still. Yeah, she does. She's, yeah. she's <laughs> podcasting for him now. Did you know Real? That? I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. No wonder Thanks. she's too busy John for us. invited her to be on full time. Oh, right? you know, I was wondering. Justina, we, I owe you an email. I apologize. I will email you soon. She owes us an email. What? Yeah. We never hear from her anymore. No. Uh, yeah. She's probably we taking a page out of my book. That's too so bad. I'm so bad at email. I know. We miss her big time. I'm so sad. You know, the green butterfly, the eye in the sky is too, but yeah, she's yeah. in sent. What is it? What, what is it? I don't even know what city that is. Where, where do they live? It's not, Jeez. it's not Smallville or Metropolis. Where does Supergirl live? You don't even know uh, anymore. Jeez. <laughs> National city. National oh city. my gosh. All I can think of was central believe. city. National How long city. did I do that podcast for? <laughs> she's flying around National city. There we go right now. And that's why she doesn't have time for us. I'm sad. Well, now that we're sad, why don't you give us the vocabulary word of the week, Captain? Okay, so this week's vocabulary word is efficacious. Ooh, I like that word. Meaning having a desired effect or very efficacious. So, yeah, try and use that in a sentence. Try and put that in your pipe and smoke it, Brian. So, put that between your gum and cheek and chew it. So, the other thing I was thinking of, well, you don't really chew that, but that's, I don't know that stuff. So, efficacious, if you were to abbreviate it, would you say effin? right? There's no N in efficacious. Epic. Epic. <laughs> epic. Like epic. epic, but epic, man. I like there you that. Go. Man, this Tylenol I took from a headache last night, it was totally epic. Oh, okay, um, you guys are nullifying the fact that we're doing a vocabulary word of the week. You're supposed to be able to use <laughs> uh, the vocab word. Not I just shorten. did. You just did, bro. <laughs> and you just threw in another vocab word, nullifying. What's, the, what's that? What does that even Sorry, mean? Sorry, that'll be next week. It's like totally null, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, I like that efficacious. Thank you for the word, but uh, Miss Ice, it is great to have you back. It's good to hear your voice. Oh, thanks, guys. So um, great to be back. Like you said, it's great to be felt. Um, <laughs> Before you're seen, <laughs> never gonna. I like it down. when you can feel my presence. <laughs> but you didn't really say that. I like it when you can feel me. Before that was just it was it's, great. It's, my ear. it's classic. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh, Tell dear. us about yourself. It's been almost three months. I'm sure people are just really? like, has it been that long? Yeah. It's been since the beginning of June, yeah. man. I mean, summer's over. We had talked about me coming back on after my family's road trip and yeah. my summer just got way out of hand. Well, but you are miss ice. So you really, do you actually exist in the summer? Do you, have you to, probably just go North, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to actually travel in a freezer. I, we just, mm. we just have a freezer that we can, haul onto the back of our truck, you know, and it's pretty sweet. Just keep me in there. It's and, the kind that doesn't lock on the inside. Yeah. 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 Well, it does. Can she, but she has scratch control. marks on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Broken nails and blood. Something was trying to get out or we were trying to keep it in. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Speaking of a truck, uh, mm. something with the what? What? Uh, guys. Okay. So it has been eight years since I bought a new car. So it was due mm, time. Yeah. And I got myself a Jeep Renegade. Nice. Fire. Oh, daggum. It's in a beautiful Colorado red. Hold on. I am Colorado in love. red. What does Colorado red mean? Is that like brick red except brighter? really red? No, <laughs> I don't know. It's not like a, like an Acura red. If you can it's think like of a cherry red. Like right. It's like a, it's a really eye popping red. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Cause Colorado is eye popping. So, okay. There you go. Oh, I was right. trying to be like, what does Colorado have to do with red? <laughs> yeah. When you, when you hit the traffic on, on I-25, like, your eyes pop out. Yeah. Because exactly. all you they, see are red bulging. lights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. 
I love it. Uh, Makes sense. So you got a Jeep Renegade. Okay, I'm trying to got think. Got a Jeep Renegade. I got to look this one up. Like, which one is it? Is it the the sweet boxy, like, you know, off-road 25-inch tires kind of thing? <laughs> not not that big of tires. Oh, okay. I actually need to get new tires. But this was a great deal. I had been looking for, like, one of the earliest models of the Jeep Renegade, which was, oh. I believe it was the first model that was produced after the Fiat acquisition from oh. Jeep. So what and year is I it? love Fiat's. It's a 2015, but it was manufactured with a 2016. So it has some okay. newer um, nice. bells and whistles on it. But yeah, I love this thing. It's got like 27,000 miles. It's from nice. 2015. And this is totally yeah, you. It's, Boom. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at this. What? So it's Colorado red. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally Emily. This is nope, great. Nope. <laughs> that's what everybody has been telling me. This that's is awesome. a totally Emily car. Yeah. So have you done any off-roading? You know, in the swamps uh, of Minnesota? Just a little bit up at the cabin. Okay. We we have some, we just have like some dirt paths, but nothing too crazy yet. Well, if you Hoping want to, to drive it out to Colorado, it. we can test it up the side uh, of a mountain or something. That they would got be. lots of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got four-wheel drive, so I can do it all. Nice. Well, that'll be great in the snow since you guys yes. pretty much have ice all the time. I had a Honda Civic for the last eight years yeah. in, a, in Minnesota winters, so you can imagine... Hey. If a Civic has snow tires, it's just fine. Oh, well, I mean, it, it did it did a fantastic job for what it was, but I'm just, I'm sick of being so low to the ground yeah. in the snow. And, you know, it just is like, I just don't feel as confident. You know, I can't yeah. make some trips into work. So, well, you're going to be got to get to work. <laughs> it's okay. So now uh, I, I bought a stationary bike. Ooh. And so my trips into work have been less frequent because I've been exercising while I work because I also have a standing desk. Nice. So my, my stationary bike actually fits underneath my desk. Oh, that's and awesome. I can get up really close to my computer <laughs> and I can, I can bike while I'm working. It's that fantastic. sounds awfully familiar. That is awesome. <laughs> that's have awesome. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I've got that treadmill under my desk. So you oh, know, I nice. do the same thing now. Yeah. That's awesome. I, had, I wanted to get an elliptical, but then I was like, sitting might actually allow me to do it longer. And so I might try it. Have you, have you seen those ellipticals that are just for your feet? Like they're oh. not the entire machine? No, that's what I was yeah. looking for. We were talking well, yeah. about that. Going up and down too much, I would think, wouldn't you? No, you you're might. sitting in your chair, right? No. Well, I suppose you could sit in your chair, but you can also stand. It, it says that you can do both. The one that I've oh. been looking at is on Amazon like 250 bucks my my bike was a hundred so i was like I'll, I'll start with this one see if i actually do it wow but the elliptical that i was looking at is just for your feet or yeah and it's not like the entire machine you don't do anything with your arms you just have to balance and yeah so. i'm looking for an elliptical where i can pedal but i can use my desk chair hmm. and that's what I we were think talking this one about. would work okay i'll that's send you the link of the one that i've been looking at see if okay. <laughs> i think the yeah. No, I, you know, I'm, I'm now that I'm but looking you, on Amazon and I'm like, oh, there are actually options. It looks like where you are pedaling. I don't know how this would actually. Well, I'll have to look it up. I don't know how it would actually yeah. create enough exercise based on what I'm seeing here, but we'll we'll see. Well, I'll look more into it. That would I think, be great. I mean, like at the very least, it keeps your heart rate up, you know, and so yeah. you're you're doing some work. But I think in order to get good workouts, you you have to engage more of your core and sure. in which case you'd probably benefit from standing up. But but, you know, again, it comes down to movement. One of the biggest things they're seeing is that, yep. you know, people are having blood clots and other issues and health issues because of being stationary. 
So if you're moving, even if it's just pedaling on a very small basis or walking, you know, or whatever, that's so much better. So either way, you're still winning. High five. Mm. High five. High five. And that's one, one of the great things that a Fitbit does for you. Yes. Is it tells you to like get up and move around. My Fitbit like tracks how many times a day you take at least 250 steps. And uh, my work, like they pay you like three bucks a day if you can meet three different standards that the Fitbit offers. So they they give you like a a couple free options for Fitbits, like up to 55 bucks. So I have the um, Inspire HR Fitbit. Nice. And it's just it's just like a simple one. It can track how much you sleep. It tracks how many steps you take and then any of your workouts, how much water you drink, etc. And so like if if you walk at least 10,000 steps a day, you have to take like one brisk 3,000 step walk and then several other smaller walks throughout the day and you get like three bucks a day. So I'm like, Shh, you better believe I'm getting this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. oh, really? yeah. how, how does it know how much water you're drinking? You, you actually have to log that one, okay. but it just contributes overall to like your health score rating on the Fitbit. So it's not necessarily that's something oh, like, okay. like the work stuff will pay right. you for, but it's just for your own being health conscious. Gratification, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if cool. anybody's a Fitbit wearer, feel free to add me as a friend on Fitbit and we can help each other stay in shape. Nice. Uh, be accountability buddies. Accountability buddies. Yeah. Hey, fire. I'm a Apple Watch wearer, so yeah, no, sir. I'm an iPhone toter, and that tells me how many <laughs> steps I do. Both of those have have their own apps. Yes, that are very similar to Fitbit. Yeah, Lord Thunder and I are friends. Okay. Okay, so there you I go. I used to use the one on uh, whatever the Android version is, Google Fit. There it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's Many cool. options. I like it. Hey, good to be fit. Good to be fit. I've been rocking some amazing Pilates, and uh, so there's a newer. She's newer in the sense of being a Pilates instructor. She has been trained recently and she keeps trying out all these different things. It's amazing. And so like there are muscles that I didn't even know I had <laughs> that are getting worked and I love it. Her, her whole thing is, is like we want you as functionally strong as possible so that, you know, doing everyday life and doing everyday thing, you're going to be like beyond strong. And I'm finding that some of me is like just awesome, strong. And some of me is like, wow, Never use that muscle. <laughs> I'm weak. <laughs> don't work it. So it's been really fun. So that's been my little like exciting, you know, uh, I don't know, revelation or discovery is like, oh. I'm that is my favorite part about working out is whenever you are introduced to a new routine or something, it works a different muscle group or so it works great. the same muscle group in a different way. And yeah. And it just strengthens you overall. That's awesome. You feel so much better. That's wonderful. It's so great that at your age, you're still like getting out there. And <laughs> Is that an old joke, Brian? Is that an old joke? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's great. Well, same with you. <laughs> right back at you. You're getting old too there. Smack. We're all getting old, dadgummit. Well, yeah, we're not man, getting younger. Walking. When I was walking today on my treadmill this morning at work, I had I, the whole time I was walking, the back of my left knee was sore. Oh, wow. like ten, like a tendonitis type of oh, soreness. No. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm getting old right there. Or else there's a big <laughs> thunderstorm coming. You just keep yourself strong, and you <laughs> well, I think there are thunderstorms coming. Yeah, there are. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, we're about to get hit by the same front, Miss Ice. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you guys and your, you know, just see, I, I don't feel storms. Well, I, I smell them. But hey, whatever. I can smell yeah. you. I can smell you. 
Well, it is good I that you're it. back and thank you. That's good to be felt. I, I, I'm i just going to go with that. It's good to be felt. Well, good to be felt. I am so glad you're back and it's good to hear all the cool stuff. Congratulations on all of those things you mentioned. Thanks, man. Very exciting. So Captain Influence has a great story. You were telling really? us. Well, you, you and I were like talking as we were like gaming. And then you were like, um, I had this great thought where I was like washing myself in the shower. And that's kind oh. of where it ended. So I want to hear more. That's going to be one of our topics today. I want to hear about your shower experience. Sexy music while I tell them about this. <laughs> uh, no. Play some Barry White in the background, please. Okay. Ooh, no, this is this is what. This, okay, this is kind of the genesis of t- one of today's main topics of discussion. So I was in the shower this weekend. Cool story, bro. Just one. Just once. Cool story, bro. <laughs> just once. And. And and my mind always wanders in the shower and I think of just random stuff. And one of the things I started thinking of was, you know, it's, it's not fair that some people in life get a legitimate high out of exercising. Like, you know, every one of us knows or have heard of someone like this where they cannot not exercise every day or else they will not feel that good. Speaking of exercise. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a good good segue. And I've always been jealous of people like that. It's like not fair. Most of us, and just it's a given, most human beings don't get the same level of dopamine enhancement that exercise gives some of us, right? Well, so I thought, how could I get that same level of, you know, that that same natural beneficial high from exercising as say someone I know who does just automatically? That's got to be genetic. And so I thought, oh, well, then maybe they could crisper that stuff into me and I could suddenly become like that, you know, like, like I could, I'd have to exercise every day. And I thought, well, that'd be a good show conversation. What beneficial gene edits could we talk about enhancing humanity, basically? And, you know, obviously genetic manipulation, it's, it's a very controversial subject, obviously. And but no matter how controversial it is, like it or not, it's going to happen. The technology is finally coming into its own, and countries like China are pushing forward for good or for ill. So let's discuss. Besides the um, exercise thing, what uh, I, I've I made a whole list of, of of very obvious common sense gene edits that could be enacted in a uh, ideal world that would benefit everybody, not just a certain group of people, theoretically. Well, before we do that, I want to throw a, uh, I'm going to use two things. I'm going to throw a monkey into the wrench here. There we go. I like that. Oh, please. It's more fun that way. I like throwing monkeys at wrenches. But anyway, I, first of all, wonder, and I'm wondering if this has to do with, because you were mentioning, like, is that a gene thing? And I'm starting to go, well, is it genes or is it choice or is it, uh, personality or what, but like yeah. you're talking about, do people get high, you know, like a high, a type of high when you're exercising. And like, I only do when I play basketball and like I could play basketball until literally my body collapses because I don't even feel tired or bad or anything. Like I just, it, it's a massive endorphin rush, but when I'm doing anything else, Pilates, biking, walking, I don't get that at all. So I'm wondering, like, is that a genetic thing or is that we just haven't found the right exercise thing or is it a 
personality, you know, like some people are like addicted to one thing sort of, is it an addiction? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not good question. I'm just throwing that out there for discussion as well, because I don't know if that's only genes. However, I like how it drew you into this topic because you're right. There's so much stuff here that we could get into, but, um, Miss Ice, what are your thoughts? (laughs) 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 That was crazy. I like. I agree a lot with that because as much as I also agree with Captain Influence about the ways in which CRISPR will benefit us, there are so many things that Western medicine does that masks the true problem. Totally. And mm. that is what I fear CRISPR is going to become, that we're going to be a society of people who rely more on science to solve problems rather than using the things that are inherent to human nature or inherent Mm. like just in the world around us and exercise being one of them. Dopamine is something that your brain produces because it, it create like your blood actually creates pathways for that production. So the less you exercise and the less you exercise with regular intensity, the less dopamine your brain produces. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to get more is to do more. (laughs) Yeah. I mean there, but unless there, you know, is a CRISPR alternative and in which case, does that really benefit you because you're not pushing your, your body isn't actually pushing you to exercise. So you would end up thinking, I don't really need to exercise. So no, that's inter- That's an interesting spin on it. I, that, that never would have occurred to me because I was just thinking, what if my genes or my DNA could be altered in such a way that, and again, I, folks, I really do not know what I'm talking about right now. So this is completely, <laughs> this whole conversation is just pure. Let's have fun with it. Totally. But, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, but, if my DNA could be altered to where if I don't exercise, I don't get to feel that high. So like, can you like imagine like if you're on a long flight and every seat in front of you, because people are like this now, let's say it's 200 years from now, everyone's like this now. They have this gene where they have to exercise to feel extra good, not just good. I mean, you can feel fine without it, but you get that yeah feeling and like, oh, it's so awesome. I can't wait to exercise again feeling from just exercising, right? So mm-hmm. on a long flight, you have these like hydraulic pedals in front of every seat <laughs> where people can just work their calves and shins the entire six hour flight or something like that. They're powering that, the plane. That, that's, that's no, yo, there you go. <laughs> they can power the plane. There you go. No, but uh, that's just one tiny little example yeah. of yeah. the hey. result of that fun little edit. Real quick, explain what CRISPR is because I'm sure most people have never okay. even heard of this. Most people probably heard it mentioned in the news. Or, but yeah, don't CRISPR, know what it is. It's C-R-I-S-P-R. It's an acronym. Pronounced CRISPR. It stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. So okay. in other words, people much, much, much smarter than us are making these this up and, and uh, calling it CRISPR because it sounds great, right? But it's the hallmark of a bacterial defense system that forms the basis for what's called a CRISPR-Cas9 genome editing technology. I got this off of broadinstitute.org. CRISPR is all over the net, though. You can look it up everywhere. It's just becoming a very efficacious tool in the field of gene editing. It's it's probably the number one tool that's talked about, at least in the media, in that field. All right, I'm going to throw another one out here. If we edit our genes, so for example, we have a let's call it a deficiency or whatever. 
something that causes us to you know be less than someone else in that sense or live less long or have chronic pain or well that's different suddenly in your sleep yeah all sorts of stuff so there's okay i guess i'll look at it two ways then there's a couple ways first of all if you were to look at it as that the only way that you could use gene manipulation is for no no I'm, i'm throwing this out like let's say that the only way you could do it the only way that it would become legal is to fix pain essentially what's going to happen is people are going to create you know genetic superhumans and then you know that's exactly what will happen trust me but that's not what we're talking about no no i'm just saying like i got to (laughs) take that off the table because like i no i don't want to go there that brings the morality of it all and into the equation which you really can't we're totally putting our heads in the sand right now with this conversation but that's okay that's a different part of the conversation but it's something that's got to be at least acknowledged i think the other thing too is that if you take away people's pain and or challenges then will they ever become overcomers of anything or will they become completely weak and useless good question i hadn't gone that deep into it brian thanks a lot Mr. Wet Noodle over no, here. No, I'm just I'm throwing it out as a what about that <laughs> no, though? Because doesn't our pain and don't our challenges like grow us? Or they should anyway. But I mean, they don't always. But uh, yeah, you could argue that. I, that's a valid argument, uh, and a lot of people would be, you know, fist pumping the air and saying, "Yes, that's exactly right." TRBS well, or TRB. Uh, you're you're 100 correct. But I'm, I'm just throwing that out. But like, okay, let's take yeah. something like dementia slash Alzheimer's that doesn't help the person at all because the person can't really grow from that because unfortunately they just forget everything and then eventually they die, which sucks. So there's no benefit to having the challenge of dementia and Alzheimer's for the person that's dealing with it whatsoever. So that is something where I'd say, yeah, let's manipulate that out of people's DNA. I'd be up for that. Or we can go forever on this, but I'm going to just read off a short list, shortish list of, what I, on the surface at least, feel would be beneficial gene editing. So fun nerd out stuff here. Sort of. Okay. So uh, fix color blindness and other forms of blindness. Mm-hmm. And then edit in perfect eyesight, like Legolas perfect. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so everyone sees forever. That'd be awesome. And no one needs glasses. Now, I know that would destroy the eye correction in this industry, but you oh, know, well. sacrifice, sacrifice. Yeah. Here's a controversial one. Edit in hyperintelligence. This could also be bad if it's done to someone without a strong sense of empathy, which is which will tie into something later that I mm. mentioned. But remember that movie uh, with the dude who took the pill who became super smart for a short time, yeah, Limitless, Limitless. Oh, yeah. with Bradley Cooper? That was a pill that I think it did obviously chemically enhanced his intelligence. But mm-hmm. edit that. Like make everyone a Bill Gates, which we'll mention later as well. You know, a hyperintelligent, empathetic human being. Edit in a natural resistance to the flu and the common cold. Just petty suffering that everyone, all of us have to deal with that we suddenly don't have to deal with anymore. Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. You could cure baldness. Mm. Yeah. That's, a, that's a legitimate one. You could totally do that with CRISPR, I think. Fix any genetic propensity towards obesity. Mm. Yeah. Some people are genetically inclined to be more obese. Uh, this, this, now, some people, not everyone uh, who is obese, uh, mm-hmm. certainly not me. Uh, this plus the exercise edit would give all humans a healthy foundation for their lives. Now you can still make all the mistakes you want, but at least if you're obsessive about exercising and you, and it's very difficult for you to become obese gene- and, and impossible genetically, then you have this great foundation for the rest of your life. And a lot of bad consequential things that people, you know, people born into bad situations and stuff, it wouldn't, that wouldn't pile on for them. You know what I mean? 
let's see, uh, you could fix all genetic heart and other organ defects. A friend of mine in college died at age 30 in his sleep from a congenital heart disease. Hmm. Didn't even know he had it. Just yeah. all of a sudden he woke up, his, his uh, partner woke up and he was dead. Hmm. And that could have been avoided uh, if, if the technology had been there back then, perhaps. You could uh, cure cancer, duh. I mean, that's one of the things they're talking about using this technology for is to, is to attend. And they've got big studies going in multiple countries right now where they're working out how to do that if, if it's possible. You could cure cystic fibrosis, hemophilia, sickle cell anemia, muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things that people suffer from just because they happen to be born that way that did not have to happen, that someday won't have to happen anymore is what I'm hoping. Mm. And then last, the last one on my list, could we maybe just maybe edit a stronger sense of empathy into the human genome? Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in secret, because a lot of people would resist this for some reason. They, would, they just would. But uh, what, what they would initially fail to realize is that this, this sort of empathy uh, you know, editing could be beneficial in all sorts of ways, not just the most obvious ones. Like, it's not people who resist it might think, well, I don't want to just automatically, without being able to help myself, want to be over charitable to people who don't want to help themselves. And that's a valid argument. But if the people who don't want to help themselves also have that empathy gene, I mean, when you have an empathy gene, the golden rule comes first in everything you do, or at least in more of what you do. And so they would not be as, potentially not be as in need of help because of that gene. And, and it, you could go really, really deep with this and sociologically, but I think it's possible that a universally strong sense of empathy in our species could be the key to finally realizing our potential and avoiding self-destruction someday. Think about it. Yeah. And do you disagree Very or agree? Interesting. <laughs> that was my favorite one, even though that's not oh. where it started, but that's where I ended up and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could, if I could edit one thing into the human race, it would be a mm. universal sense of empathy. Yeah. As fascinating as it is to think about, mm -hmm. I it's it's interesting my hesitation on it because it's like obviously you would want people to be more empathetic. But if you knew something was genetically engineered in someone, would we as a society be able to trust that? Good point. Good question. I on uh, my initial reaction is of course, but I that's without thinking deeply about it. So I would say no. I think society. But it is what it is. It. It's. I think they'd fear it. Yeah, because. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, if you, if you, if they would. A, <laughs> if we had a world of empathetic creatures uh -huh. that couldn't think objectively. Oh no no! This has nothing to do with uh, how. It, I don't think that. Uh, and I, I I apologize for interrupting you, Miss Ice, but I just don't think that that would a strong sense of empathy that's genetically engineered into the species could make it. I don't think that it, what am I trying to say? I guess maybe, maybe I, maybe I used the wrong word. I okay. meant, so the, the, sometimes the people who make the hardest decisions just have a weaker empathetic bone. And it's not because maybe they don't care. It's because they are the ones that can make hard decisions. Mm-hmm. And we need those kinds of people in order to keep this world moving. Mm -hmm. So if we suddenly had everyone with the same amount of empathy or, you know, whatever your propensity was after that, 
for nature versus nurture, whatever mm-hmm. takes over after that, do we suddenly lose the strongest side of the species that can be more cutthroat like our animalistic uh, ancestors. Mm-hmm. Right. And okay, I hear what you're saying. And a lot of people would argue that you need, you can't, you can't just engineer the aggression out of the species or else we'll just be open to some sort of attack and we won't really be able to defend ourselves kind of thing. I mean, what, I why mean, would, in, my, in a, I guess in I'm a saying, way, would, but I'm, not even that, I'm not even trying to think that broadly. I'm just trying to think of like, on a person-to-person basis. we uh-huh. The empathy that we have changes person-to-person because of our experience and because, because of our propensity to empathize with someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. Personality itself. But, right. So, yeah. so which would you, like, I mean, it's kind of like, don't teach me, don't just give me patience, give me the opportunity to learn patience. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is, yeah. what is really the value in empathy if you can't, if you if you don't have a reason to be empathetic, I just yeah, I don't even see how that is possible. I love that. You know, another thought I too. Yeah. Another thought is that you know, going along with what you were saying, is that some people their personality, some people's personality, definitely is more empathetic than others. Right? We know right. this. Mm-hmm. Right. But regardless of whether someone has a major like natural giftedness and empathy, and someone else struggles with it, everyone has the choice to be empathetic. So yes. to Well, we have the choice to be sympathetic. Empathetic implying that we have personal experience that allows us to feel what someone else is feeling. Okay, sorry, semantic or even, are, are different words on that one in the sense of saying so sympathetic maybe is the word we're looking for here. Well, no, I'm 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 literally talking about empathy, but yeah, but I mean, I understand what you're saying about sympathy. But how can we be empathetic? you know, going to what you just said there, how can we all be empathetic if we've not all had the same experiences? Because you, okay. So when I watch a documentary about a bunch of people dying in Africa because of horrible sanitation uh, or something like that, I haven't experienced that, mm-hmm. but my instinct is to be like, Oh my God, you know, I just, that, what's, what's that feeling? You know, that, 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 you know, that, mm-hmm where the floor Compassion. is dropped out from under you and stuff, something like that. Now, yeah, I can see why you would call that sympathy, but it, I think it's a deeper thing than sympathizing with someone. I sympathizing oh, with someone is, oh, yeah. is, no, is I, it, I, to me, that's more surface. Empathy is where you feel it. Even if you haven't experienced it, you feel it. Well, can you actually have empathy if you've never experienced it? Good question. I, I, I mean, there, there are so many hairs that you can cut over that, but I mean, like at its core, empathy just implies that you have the ability to understand or to, to like what, what captain influence was just saying, like to, to really, um, how would you share in that? Share in someone's pain. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just sympathizing with their pain. Yeah. But like, I will 100% every time we talk about this sort of thing, I will go to grief over death. Like Mm -hmm. I never was able to empathize period. I like in hindsight, it was always sympathy until my dad died, mm-hmm. I was not able to be empathetic about the loss of anyone. Like mm-hmm. you can understand like on a surface level, but you cannot feel the depth of grief yeah. until you have experienced something like that. that and so there's, there is a certain level of empathy that you, you could feel, but you can't 
truly understand unless you have experienced something like that. That and makes that makes perfect sense. That's yeah, what I, I was trying to understand, by the way, with what you were saying. Yeah. So maybe, perhaps, what what I've meant all along technically has been sympathy in that case. So either way, whether it's whether it's whether it can be counted as empathy or mm-hmm. if it is more of a form of sympathy, that's what I would advocate. Okay. Sympathy. Yeah. That's interesting. It's it's yeah. so interesting to think about being able to genetically alter someone to have those kinds of propensities. And mm-hmm. I and I know this this is where it gets a little controversial, but I am a proponent of forcing that upon the human species. <laughs> yeah. This is sounding really familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it see, is. Well, but, but but see, but see, yeah, but, but I understand that the line you tread because people and like with your your book, Emily, uh, people do and will take this the wrong direction. Right. And they will use it for eugenic applications that are only beneficial to a small group of people so that they can dominate the rest of us. Yeah, that makes sense. But my version of that, the aim of it's not the same. Oh, it's not absolutely. The, and I mean, it's so with, that everybody can share in this, in sharing, basically. <laughs> oh, for sure. And with all of these things, with any major discovery comes both, you know, the possibility for good and for evil. And so, but I mean, we can't make any of these strives in in the human race unless we think like you're thinking right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's why, and that's really where CRISPR came from. I mean, the first time I heard about CRISPR was from a Radiolab episode, probably oh, okay. like four years ago. It was fantastic. I will find the exact episode so Brian can put it in the show notes because yeah, please. I mean, I love if you've that never show. heard Radiolab, it's, like this episode, just like this is what started me down the path of researching it for mm. my second novel. And and like and what is so amazing about it is because is like you you basically write a virus that can target sequences in the in DNA in order to replace those sequences with something else, like mm. something that fixes it. I mean that that's how I was introduced to it. And I'm like, that is Wow. Awesome. And, you know? and it sounds so nefarious, but right, but it's it could not, be I mean, used like, for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a virus really just means like, you know, a foreign substance. So that it's not self-replicates in your system. Right. right. Yep. But like stuff like so I while you were saying like stuff like curing the common cold or things that like ail us from a week to week basis that we're like, hey fever, we can't get rid of this. Really? Oh, we're yeah, like right. you know, but oh. we, we've come so far in I mean, just in technological and scientific advancements that have basically wiped out certain illnesses. So it's not that it can't be done and we've done it before, but like we can't get something as an out of our systems as annoying as like the common flu. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it's a little ironic, right? Like we, or what about, we what have about airplanes, pe- but we still get the yeah, flu. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What about kids who die from eating peanuts? Yeah. Or yeah. the residue from peanuts. That is so obviously genetic disorder. It's not even funny. And what no matter how it came about is 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 moot. That that's something that CRISPR could help cure, I think. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's so much good that could be done with it, and there's also so much bad. But then you also have to consider, and this might be a good segue into Brian's topic, but and this is what China has been in the news for for like the last couple years is I think it's China. I, I hope I don't get... It's probably China. Okay. Uh, like the genetic alteration of human embryos. Yes. Where before a child is even conceived, basically, like the, the I think it's only through in vitro then, but you, you genetically alter the embryo so that these things are fixed before the baby even starts growing. 
Mm-hmm. So that child has zero say in the matter. What do we do with that? Like mm-hmm. we're just completely removing choice from mm-hmm. their. Yeah. In like some regards. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, they are. They are. And in some regards, I advocate that not in, not fully, not, not without reservation, but I just I'm just saying think, that that, yeah. that is a super slippery slope. Oh, very much mm-hmm. so. It's, it's always, yeah. For me, it's always slippery slope yep. versus common sense. But then, mm-hmm. whose common sense is common more commonsensical yep. than who? I mean, it's it's annoying. It's annoyingly slippery to me because I've always thought, well, I mean, come on, yeah, yes, it's a slippery slope. There's there's a gray area that you could fall down a deep hole mm-hmm. if you step just one step too far, but. There's also a just a overwhelming sense of common sense about some applications of this mm-hmm. that I think that should just be, if they're ever developed, should absolutely be enacted mm-hmm. without anybody knowing it. <laughs> well, you don't know as long as it's beneficial, legitimately beneficial, like curing cancer. Like nobody else is born with Down syndrome ever again. Kids are never born with being allergic to grass, for God's sake, that kind of thing. That just doesn't happen anymore. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. The thing you're going to run into, though, and, and I'm not trying to be negative about this, but I think the That's problem, no well, the problem we're running into with anything. So like they say, oh, well, we've got this pharmaceutical to, quote, mask over your whatever. And sometimes there's cures, you know, there's actual like vaccines and other cures. And of course, now there's a big debate on vaccines, which whatever. Right. But my point is, right. is like, I guess the, the first question would be this. Are the people who are doing genetic manipulation are they doing it pro bono it's totally for the good of the people and they will make zero money from it i hope not i hope that they're making money from it well somehow. i see and i here's the thing because if they're making money from it then everything that you're hoping for will not come to pass that's not necessarily true you can still make money from the whole smorgasbord of, of beneficial legitimately beneficial if you have editing. the right person doing it, but the problem is, is if yes. you look at every single thing out there that is dedicated to our health, yeah. money speaks louder than the patient nowadays. You're right. Everything. You're not wrong. And that's my, yeah. that's my concern is that if yeah. they come in and they say, okay, well, we're going to start off with gene editing and it's only going to be to cure cancer. Well, we can make a lot of money if we, you know, also genetically create superhumans. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. You're that's, not wrong. that's yeah. my, that's my concern. And the problem oh, yeah. right now too, is you look at the cancer industry. And so why haven't they cured cancer? Why haven't they cured the common cold? Well, because there's a lot of money to be made for all of the drugs and other things out there to mask over Ooh. the symptoms. That's Ooh. true. Ooh. So first you see what I'm saying? To, first we have yeah. to edit the genomes of all of the people who are in charge of those things to make them more empathetic. <laughs> yes. See, <laughs> But then so they won't they, come up with so anything. So that they okay, guys, instinctively want to yeah. only help people. Yeah. Yeah. I so, solved it. You're so welcome. That's, that's my concern. And, and I, I mean, honestly, if, if there were a way and I'm not, I'm not a proponent for more laws. I think we need less laws actually, but I like laws. Some laws are great. Some, oh my gosh. But this is one of those things where it's like, there should be a law here that says that the only way that you can use gene editing is to fix like a problem. So like, a person okay, has so cancer. As soon as you introduce that law, there will be a black market. <laughs> of course there will be. All yeah, yeah. of these things so there you go. that right. will produce even worse problems yep. than the ones that we're trying to cure. So yep. my my whole point in this in the, is that it, it can't work. As much as I want it <laughs> yeah. to, it literally cannot work. There's always going to be landed. a bad side to it. 
no matter what. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. I really yeah. do. Uh, and I'm not so naive that I think that all of it, I, I'm really not coming at this at all from a... Sorry that we took your happen. topic and totally... Oh, no, 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 this is really this good. Yeah. Perfect. This has been perfect. This discussion has been yeah. great. Yeah, I don't take umbrage with any of this because I agree with you guys as much as I agree with what I said. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. realistically, it's not going to, it's probably not going to end well. No. So, but hey, this is the real Brian show. Let's we not talk about fun. <laughs> no, no. So here's an interesting, talk about here's an interesting end. little uh, a side thing here is that, you know, we talked about Gene Roddenberry a long time ago and I loved, yeah. I loved him, you know he saw such pain and horror and all kinds of heinousness, you know, being a cop for seven years in the LA area, he got to a point where he's like, I can't, I can't fix anything. And so that's why he created star Trek is I want to show a utopian view of what life should be. Here's the interesting thing. You know, Gene Roddenberry died in, I think it was 1991. And, you know, of course, deep space nine came out, Voyager came out and somewhere along the line during the run of deep space nine, the showrunners at the time after Gene Roddenberry had passed, had all said, well, we're going to have a war. And Gene, when he started Star Trek, said there will never be a war while I'm alive. And the problem so was... So the Klingons never were at war with the Federation well, while he was alive? It was never really I mean, like was- a war per se. Of course, there was battle and tension, but there was never going to be a war in the Star Trek universe while he was alive. Oh, interesting. And I didn't after know he died, you started to see more of that. And then, of course, there was the big, huge you know, Federation and Dominion War. The mm-hmm. argument was as much as people want that utopian view and they, they wish for it, they're never going to be satisfied until they have a war because humans can't live without war. And when that war came out, it was some of the highest rated Star Trek ever. Of course, because humans course. have to have pain, suffering war. We're drawn to it yeah, and it's, it's wrong. It, it shouldn't be that way. And that's why I love to talk. Let's talk positivity, but we're still yeah. drawn to scandal negative and side. negativity because we're <laughs> stupid, <laughs> but it's what it is. So all I at can least we're say not, is at least we're not dwelling on it. No, no. But all <laughs> I can say is, is that as much as we should go after that utopian view, as much as we should look at the positivity, as much as we could look at this and say, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, I could magically heal my, you know, damaged nerve, for example, or, you know, anybody that has some kind of an ailment even a, even a long-term permanent ailment, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just be like, you're healed. Oh my gosh. I would love that. Like I would love that. The problem is, yeah, the people just unfortunately can't live without the stupidity and the negative side of it. And that's where I think it would go. So if we could just say, well, yeah, let's, let's gene edit in a good way. Like let's fix things instead of like, preemptively prevent things. I'm not, I'm not actually for preemptively preventing it. I am for fixing things though. But like Emily said, if you edit into the genome, an an instinctive, strong sense of empathy or sympathy or whatever that draw towards violence and conflict would dissipate. Yeah. But then I think over just a couple generations, I think it would destroy the earth though. I really disagree. Yeah. I I I think that it would be, I think that it could, could theoretically be the beginning of a golden age for our species and we would back away from the brink that we're on right now. Did you ever watch Firefly and Serenity? Oh, very much religiously. <laughs> so you they know they tried that. At the end of the genome. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> oh, wait. Remind, remind, remind me. The whole I, point I might of the Reavers. Be, I might be failing nerd-wise right now. The whole now. point of the Reavers was they took away the aggression gene and they edited in basically the love, compassion, and empathy gene and it turned them into Reavers. 
I forgot about that. That doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. But I'm just I forgot saying that's what, that how they created. Yeah. I think you inevitably, when you take away something and you add something that is not entirely natural, I think something will happen that will be far worse than what we have right now. It might. Remember in the Matrix how they explained the first Matrix was all perfect and everything and everyone went yeah. insane because they couldn't handle it. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, Weird. I don't know. I mean, it, you can look at a utopian view mm-hmm. and I mean, we wish for, I wish for it too. I mean, like I wish we could all just live in paradise and everybody loved each other and, you know, we just were here and hanging out and I'm a great, I wish that, but in its current state, I don't see that happening ever, no matter what we do. But maybe. Maybe we can, we can hope. Anyway, what a great, great topic. High man. five guys. High five. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for bringing it up. So now actually this does lead into what I was going to bring up. It's kind of funny how, and we did not plan the, how this tied together. It actually does tie together. We've talked about this actually a few times here in this conversation about the gene editing was choice. And so in the meantime, if we come to gene editing someday, okay, if we're able to successfully edit out the anger and rage and edit in, you know, compassion and empathy and it's successful and all of a sudden we're living in paradise. Awesome. But in the meantime, what do you both, and, and this is something that I'm throwing out to everyone here though. What do we believe when it comes to choice? So like, and I'm talking about our own choices, not I'm choosing for you sort of things. So like, for example, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, Something happens to you, all right? A negative circumstance. We talked about sicknesses. You know, you you get cancer, you have sicknesses, whatever. Or, or you know, you you have a, a negative circumstance that happens to you what on a, the outside. Does, does being born into poverty count? Yes, that's a negative okay. circumstance, all right? So you could look at it as that you either have a negative circumstance happen to you or around you. Maybe you're victimized. Let's even go that far. You're victimized somehow. So my, my personal belief is that regardless of what is going on around us, we do have the choice to either become a victim. So allow that circumstance, whatever that is, we allow that circumstance to define us to either, you know, make or break our life or whatever, or we have the choice to somehow overcome it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can't overcome, like if you have cancer and it's terminal, you cannot overcome the cancer ravaging your body but you can choose how you respond to it. For example, even okay. though I can't even imagine what it would be like, you know what I mean? In fact, Sarah's uncle just died from cancer mm. and it ravaged his body and there was absolutely nothing he could do about it. Like that's horrible. It's painful for everybody, but I still believe that we have a choice on how we respond to it. Do we allow it to you know, make us a victim or do we overcome it somehow? So that's my belief is mm-hmm. that regardless of the circumstance, regardless of how, horrible and or how you know basically how tough it is and i i agree that there are like beyond fathomable negative heinous circumstances that have and do happen to people in this world none of us here could possibly relate to or or imagine truly empathize with yeah absolutely um and so i'm not downplaying any circumstance whatsoever i'm just saying that do you believe that we have a choice on how to respond to it? Do we allow it to make us a victim or do we overcome it? Do you believe we have that choice? Go ahead. I'll go first. Yes. A hundred percent. We have that choice in most cases there. There's probably a scenario out there where we like, if, if you wake up with amnesia and you're tied to a chair in a cell 
Uh, okay, but even then, like you, like you said, even the worst case scenarios that you find yourself in or are born into, you can still, to some degree or another, choose how you make lemonade out of lemons mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? So I believe that, yes, technically you do have a choice. Now, obviously, it's harder for some people to make the quote-unquote right choice or a choice that benefits them and others around them. Oh, of course. If, depending on their circumstance, it's harder for them to make that choice. Sure. Whereas others... It's, I mean, making those choices is much, much easier and, and whatnot. And even they don't still don't make that the right choice. Of but, course. So of course. yeah, that, that's my opinion is that, yes, I, I, I agree with you. Okay. Miss Ice? This is really hard. Because <laughs> you want to say, yes, you have a choice. And I think, you know, when you strip away so many layers of human nature, I think that there is the choice there, but... At the same time, the ways that we respond to things, we train ourselves to do or not to do something. We train ourselves to preserve our lives over not preserve our lives. And as such, we make decisions that we might not otherwise make in an objective situation. Mm. So our choices become a product of a very specifically cultivated set of actions that we've taken over the course of our lives. So one saying like, did you have the choice not to do that? Well, yes, but not really because I haven't really trained myself to be that way. True. So you're saying you made choices, let's just say years ago and you made a series of choices and now you're in a situation based on those series of choices that you're not sure if you can make it. Wait, you're not sure you can make or a choice that, now or? Well, like, okay. So if you're going to say like one situation, one random scenario, doesn't even matter what it is. If so-and-so was thrust into that situation, would do they have a choice to do it or not to do it? And yes, they have a choice, but that person themselves or that themselves, is it plural? I don't know. Uh, they, <laughs> they will not think that they have a choice because they will make a decision that is so ingrained in them that there was no choice in the first place. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Mm. So when we look at things objectively, we can say, yes, there was a choice to do or not to do something. And sometimes people can rise up or rise down, as the case may be, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, in order to do something that is unexpected. But... More often than not, the decision is kind of just masked by a history of our past actions. So, there's okay, no so a comment to that because I hear where you're going with that one. Let's just take like if I look back on choices I've made over the years, mm-hmm. I would let's just say I made choices and I know I did, right? So, I've made choices that in the moment that's the choice I thought I had to make. Mm-hmm. Because either one product of, I guess that would be nature and nurture, mm-hmm. but also I didn't know any better. So mm-hmm. like, what is it? The the phrase, you don't know what you don't know sort of thing, mm-hmm. but well, you don't know can't hurt you or no. Well, but if I, what happens in Vegas, wait, what? exactly. <laughs> so those types of choices, well, yeah, they happen and you look back and you go, oh man, I didn't know. I didn't have a choice, right? So like if you say, well, I didn't know, so therefore I didn't have a choice. The reality Mm -hmm. is, is, well, no, that's not true. I just, I didn't know and I chose not to know at the time 
or, mm-hmm. or um, I didn't know any better because nobody taught me. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that in a moment where let's just say you make the wrong choice, ideally, you know, it impacts you. You, you choose to learn from it from there. And so like I look back on dumb choices I've made over my life. And since then I've made up my point and I've chosen to say, I don't want to make that choice again. How do I make a better mm-hmm. choice next time? Or how do I make a different choice? Which means I need to educate myself. I need to gain wisdom, you know, and go from there. There are still going to be choices that I make for the rest of my life that I'm, I didn't know any better. This is the only choice I thought I had. And then I'll learn 20 years later that, oh man, I had this choice, but I didn't know. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So I, I think we're on oh, yeah. the same page there, but I guess the question would be is, okay, maybe you didn't know at the time, but I think my, you choose my to point grow and educate less, so that you make a better choice in the future sort of thing. My point was less polarizing in terms of like, I didn't know. So I made that decision and more like something, a decision that may seem obvious to you as you had the option not to do that. Whereas someone else is in that same scenario going, but I, I didn't like, look at my family that I have to support or, you know, like they're, so they're, I mean, it's just, and that may be too much of the nature inside of something that should be more objective. And, but I don't think that there, there are very few decisions that are made that are as objective as that, that affect one person and one scenario or one circumstance and everything just has a cascading effect that, one decision isn't really even that simple. Oh, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah. 100%. But so I still going think back to your original choice, question, though. just to make sure that I'm but go ahead. all clear on this. So your original question is when you're confronted with a scenario where there are two plus options, do I have a choice in which option I choose? Uh, like that's that. a very simplified version, but yeah, that, that works. Okay. And I think, by the way, regardless, everybody does have that regardless, whether we know it or not, that's a different decision or a different thing. Whether we have that or not? Whether what? we know that we have more than two or decision. more options. Yeah. I right. think we all are faced with the choice with two or more options at any given time in our life. We just may not know it. Or because like you said, well, mm-hmm. this is the way the family's done it. So I, I can't. It's like, well, no, you still have the choice, but you just may not feel like you can make it because that goes back to what you're saying. Like it impacts right. your family, but you still have the choice. You still have True. the choice. Yeah. But Technically. So Technically. like, so from maybe this is a good way for me to explain it because I think we are talking about the same thing I do too. and I'm, I'm I do thinking too. about it as like, okay, so if, if you're, a, if you're the outsider looking in at someone else's decision, you see them having two options. You can do, let's just go with like you can do with the good thing or you can do the bad thing. Okay. It right. can be whatever you, you want. You can eat the cookie or you can oh. eat the freaking bag of cookies. <laughs> eat the freaking cookie. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you can do the good thing or you can do the bad thing. So that's you as the third party looking in on something. But the person who is confronted with the situation doesn't see that decision. Like they don't see a good thing and a bad thing. They see two awful things mm. and okay. they, and so they're choosing something they're making a decision but they're not really making a decision because it is the one that they have to make like there's at least they perceive that they have to make they perceive that they not even not even perception i mean it's like all of the things that they have done in life to get to where they are now like is there is there a decision if you say everything that i have built for or built my life around would collapse if 
if I thought that there was a decision here. I have to do this one. I don't believe that that's ever something anyone ever faces. I think that I I actually do agree that it is a perception. Not ever, but I'm using an extreme in order to... In, t- in order to just illustrate like the third party versus the the first party. I don't think that it's necessarily. Okay. So you're talking about like, if I were to see something like you, you're in the situation and I'm like, Oh, Emily, it's clear. If you make this choice, it's bad. If you make this one, it's good. The thing is though, is that that's not for me to choose. I'm talking about for you personally in that moment, you're faced with something and you're like, I have to, well, I mean, you could keep doing the same thing too. So that is right. also a choice, but I'm saying that you have a choice on how to respond to it is what I'm trying to say. Okay. I think I took this in a really different way. My, yeah. As soon as you started talking about this, my brain started going somewhere else. So I no, probably just kind of, <laughs> I think it's a valid point off. by the way too, but no, that's not, I don't think that's what I'm saying, but I also think when that you, it's a factor too. Okay. So we're talking about the response to something, not actually the decision you make based on two choices you have the dis- you have a choice on how something affects you or and then like your response well i mean i think that. there's so many different things you could look at when it comes to choice but okay so I, let me i'm trying to think of an example here but like i don't even know okay so we were talking about health right here's here's one right i let's just say that you know in my 20s 30s and 40s i choose to eat crap my entire life i don't exercise and all of a sudden now I have diabetes or, or some, you know, disease, right? Right. That was all a series of choices that I made. I can't, yeah, you're sleeping, you're sleeping in the bed you made. Exactly. Right. So now I'm in a place where I go, crap, what do I do? So that's a, that, you know, and, and I'm choosing, mm-hmm. I can choose a physical response. Like I choose to stop eating crap food and I'm going to mm-hmm. choose to eat healthy, right? That's a, that's an actual tangible response, but I can also choose mentally and emotionally how I respond to that as well. So I think it's kind of both. So I'm not just talking about like how you mentally okay. respond to it, but I'm also talking about actions that you have during, you know what sure. I'm saying now? Does that make I sense? Think yeah. I, no, I do. And actually this is really interesting because half of that, I totally agree. You know, like when, when you're confronted with something that you realize you did to yourself, you have, you have uh, the chance to rise out of that. You have the chance to overcome it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can choose to fight the cancer. You can choose to stop eating sugars and, you know, like take care of your diabetes if it's type two. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, or if it's like type we one, talk- you can edit that out. Exactly. <laughs> that would be but cool. I, I, I was actually thinking about this because you mentioned, so dopamine is a, is a neurotransmitter. And one of the most popular deficiencies of dopamine in the brain is Parkinson's. Mm. So there are certain things that you can't do (laughs) without gene editing. editing. Mm. (laughs) There are certain things you can't overcome even if you'd want to. So there are limitations that our body places on us that prevent us from doing it. And I, and I think I may have, I may have confused dopamine and endorphins. <laughs> so if somebody wants to call in and correct <laughs> me on that, I'm totally open to it. But I, I think I think endorphins are actually produced by the nervous system. So I might have actually just blended the two. But point being, there are certain body types that just can't react to exercise or not in the same way. And and that right. all that's all genes. That's all just how you know, your ancestors have chosen to do things over generations, you know, and I mean, there are certain things that people just can't do. 
But then that that's where it goes into what Brian was talking about, how if, if you have a circumstance like that that you cannot control, uh-huh. how, do you, you, how do you but react? But you still, if you, if, you, if you have your mind, if you still are lucid and you are thinking and you have, you know, your, your, your personality is intact, okay. then you can still choose how you yeah. mentally deal with those obstacles. That is that is such okay. I really like where this conversation went, and I apologize that it took me so long to get here. No, that's but, okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> this is this good. is. I love this because this is like, in spite of everything, you can choose to have a positive reaction to something, and not even necessarily positive, but something that will have a positive effect. Like you can choose to embrace it and and learn about your condition in order to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And we have all of the resources that we could possibly need in order to do that. And the only limitation is our own fear, our own lack of confidence. I mean, or, yeah. Yeah. or unwillingness. Or mental state. There's also mental, mental state. Mental state. Yeah. The limitations are internal to our brain mm-hmm. <laughs> and what we can conceive of in order to prevent us from moving forward. Yeah. Really it's like, it's almost time. like we each each of us lives in our own little matrix, if you will. What, yeah, uh, we really do. Where, I mean, <laughs> because perception is everything. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. The, the human experience is is defined subjectively. Period. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can all we can we can throw statistics together and and average things out and say you know this many people out of a hundred are like this or make this decision based on these criteria, et cetera, et cetera. But in the end, our individual lives, mine, yours, and yours, are all perceived individually and so it's it's that's where it gets so complicated because you know yeah right yeah yep. totally bro no it's I, i'm glad <laughs> you went to that place too i think that's really good because there are so many circumstances that happen to each of us and I, you know as i said like overcoming those circumstances are never easy ever mm-hmm. you know and so it's not about yeah, it's come on dude just get over it man like that's not how it works like we know that but at the same time, there is also the call to say, okay, don't just get over it, but start asking yourself the question, how do I overcome this? And right. it may take time and that's, and that's cool. a valid, if, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're lucid and you have control of your Faculties, mind, yeah, essentially. then that's a valid statement. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it goes back mm-hmm. to what I said, like dementia patients, they can't choose that. And that sucks. Right. And so, yes, if this is all assuming that you are in control of your own brain and that you have the ability to think clearly, yes. It's and interesting. There's very, and, and there's like a whole, there's a whole range, excuse me, of what that entails as well. Sure. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. sure. How much you're in control of your faculties, you sure. know? And we're, we're assuming that we're going like kind the of spectrum. on a baseline here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, the baseline. We were watching the latest season of Last Chance You, and I think this is what originally sparked this discussion, although there have been some other things recently that I've seen and experienced and, you know, little things like that where I hear what people say and I go, that's not reality. That's your perception, but that's not reality. I'm not telling him this because I've, I've learned to just stop talking to people because they really don't want my opinion anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> except I, us, we want your opinion. Well, I appreciate it. So I'm, I'm giving my opinion in a general way, but I hear people in what they say. I mean, I mean, I listen all the time and I'm talking to people and they say things and I go in my mind, I'm thinking this doesn't have to be a reality. Regardless, you you make it your reality. And so therefore you have defeated yourself. Like I see people who go through things all the time. 
this circumstance, this circumstance, and they allow that circumstance to victimize them. And so they become victims. They blame it on everything else and they have literally failed in their lives. They believe that. And I'm over here going thinking you don't have to be that person. You can overcome this. You can win. You can be victorious. You've chosen not to regardless of the circumstance. I see that all the time, by the way, I do it to myself a lot. And then I catch myself and go, what the heck am I doing? We all do that. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. human. Yeah, you're right. I was watching. Right. So I mentioned, you know, watching the last season, the most recent season of Last Chance You, which was the fourth part. And I can't tell you. I mean, of course, this has probably been going on, you know, all, all four parts is what they call them instead of seasons. But they bring in these athletes that are in their quote last chance. So it's usually like they're division one football players. They're really, really talented. They make a poor choice. They get into drugs. They aren't good on their academics, you know, whatever, right? They get kicked out of their division one awesome school, you know, that was going to take them all the way to the NFL. So they think, and so they land in this basically junior college, this Juco team, and it's their last chance. If they don't make this, they're not going to get scouted by division one, you know, coaches and all that and scouts. They're going to probably go back home and, you know, live whatever life they can at that point. You know, what's interesting to me though is that these kids are in the show anyway, at least what we see these kids, most of them came from very difficult lives, you know, horrible home situations, difficult childhoods, mm-hmm. living in the hood, living in poverty, stuff like that. Like very difficult surrounded They're, by apathy and surrounded by like really, really challenging circumstances. Yeah. They're in this Juco college and they're given an opportunity they're literally presented with an opportunity. You have an opportunity. If you do what we ask you to do, you will be scouted by division one scouts and have the opportunity to go to a division one college on a full ride scholarship and go from there. Right in this, they're saying you need to play football to the best of your ability. You need to have a great attitude and you need to get good grades and learn. I mean, that's really all they're asking, even though there's a lot more to the story, but that's all they're asking. They're even given tutors and teachers who will stay after hours to personally work with these guys, because let's face it, if you weren't taught as a child, how to basically how to learn, then of course college is going to be hard. So these kids are having a hard time, but they're sitting down with them and they're literally walking step by step with these kids, training them how to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And you think about it, that there's, there's two choices here. If I'm one of those students, I can say, I want to learn. I want to do the best that I can. I know this is challenging. I want to be the best football player I can. I want to be healthy. I want to have a good attitude and I want to get an education and degree in case I don't make it into the NFL, considering that the percentage of the, you know, division one football players that ever make it into the NFL is so ridiculously small. It's unbelievable. So what's my plan B? I want to have an education so I can go out and do something in this world. If I can't play football, that's choice. One choice two is no, thanks whatever. I just want to play football. Or, or choice I, two is you succumb to your baser instincts and the defeatedness still fall into the wrong circumstances. Yep. Even though you have a chance, even though you have this golden opportunity, you still make the wrong decisions along the way. And then exactly. you lose that opportunity. Yeah. What's really interesting about that show is how many of those players chose the wrong choice and mm. they were given the choice. They were given like, this is the right choice. 
And they were, I mean, for like an entire semester or an entire year, it was pushed on them. This is the right choice. You need to make this choice. It's the right one. Trust me. And here's why we're trying to explain it to you. And they still blamed it on everyone else. Well, I'll never Mm. get anywhere in life. You know, I grew up in poverty. Oh, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, no, dude, you have the ability to choose right now to (laughs) overcome this. And you're not doing it because you're still blaming everything else and everyone else. So that's Mm kind of what sparked this whole discussion in the first place is that everybody's victimized in this world and in this life, no matter what everyone is, Mm. you choose to become a victim or you choose to overcome. That's my belief. And my hope and my empowerment is that we all on the show and listening to the show will do our best based on the knowledge and the wisdom that we have in the moment to choose to overcome always. That's my hope. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have had that Pepsi last night at the (laughs) table. Eat the freaking cookies. I knew still. I should have had a di- an iced tea. I should have had the iced tea. I had a Pepsi instead. <laughs> Eat the freaking uh, cookie. Yeah. You can enjoy it. I'm the yeah. guy who eats the box of cookies. Yeah, I know, but we're not. Which I don't. Either. I never. I don't do it. But if I have a box of cookies in front of me, I'm very tempted to eat at least half of them in one setting. Mm. So that's why I never buy cookies. You know, I have a half of a lemon meringue pie in my fridge right now. Oh, oh nice. talk about I know where pie. you're going after. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to eat the whole dang thing. Woo. You know what? Uh, the, I mentioned the Tim Ferriss slow carb diet when we had kryptonite on a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about that um, when you have your quote cheat day or if you're just kind of relaxing, if you don't want to call it a cheat day, he actually talked about only get desserts, which can be consumed in one sitting. Rather than like right. going and buying a box of cookies. I know, but his whole point was is take the temptation away. <laughs> yeah. And I was Actually, like, oh, that's wisdom. So th- that's, that's interesting because one of the things that I, I struggle with is just like latching on to a food or something and not eating anything else but that until I get bored of it. Interesting. And so one of the things that I have been working on, and I started this at the beginning of the summer, was that. I only buy what I need for the week, right? So mm-hmm. I, I have to eat everything before I go back to the grocery store. But in so doing, I'm also buying the things that I usually eat in large portions and forcing myself to just eat a portion of that every night and like and just stopping. Like I it's it's like totally conscious. You have to just like one of them at the beginning of the summer was ice cream. Whenever I buy ice cream, I just eat a lot of it, you know three nights in a row or whatever. So at the beginning of the summer, I would buy like a half gallon of ice cream. I don't even know what size they are, but a scoop and a half of ice cream, eat that at night and move on. And at first I was like, I was looking forward to my scoop and a half of ice cream every night. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I was going days without eating it, you know? And, and then I would only crave a little bit. I, I, I like, I stopped actually wanting more than a scoop and a half and I've actually gone down to just a scoop because that's all I really need, you know, or, yeah. you know, quote unquote, need. but like, you know, the, the whole mentality of, you know, being victimized or we've talked about the victim mentality so much on this show, but it's something that you have to make a conscious decision to overcome and it's not going to be handed to you. Nobody's going to solve it for you. It sure. can't be solved with gene editing and <laughs> right, right. Yeah. and any shortcut that you could conceive of won't actually produce the results that would benefit you. And I love that we we ended up here because it's such a, it's something that should empower you. It shouldn't scare you. You should be able to look at your situation and say, I have the ability to change my circumstance. 
And maybe I can't make my life look exactly like so-and-so's, but I'm going to make my life my own. And in in order to do that, what do I want? List out what you want, you know, and, and maybe something isn't attainable in like a stereotypical way, but that's why you have to make it work for you. We aren't cookie cutters of each other. We are individuals with, with our own experiences and our own lives and our own personalities. And that is what really makes us who we are. It's not Mm -hmm. our genes. We, we get to be who we want to be with the lot that we've been given. True. Not because we have to live with it. Yes. Oh, I love that. That is such a, we get to. Yeah, we get to. Yeah. I love that. That is a great way to wrap up that, that topic. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Good job, guys. Yes, good High job. Five. All right. Well, it, the, the show, smack. Smack. We're going to talk about Ad Astra next week because I'm going tonight, so I can't. we can't talk about it yet. So we'll talk about it next week. There is another Matrix movie coming out. Yes. In fact, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are both confirmed. Really? Yep. There's like nothing out there about it. It's very, very hush-hush. They're talking about starting uh, production in early 2020. We'll see what happens, but there's basically nothing about, well, what is it like? Okay. Well, didn't Neo die or did he die? Well, maybe we're not sure if he died. And so there's kind of this ambiguous ending now, and we're going to come in with part four or will it be a prequel? I mean, we really don't know. I mean, well, it can't be a prequel if Neo and Trinity are back. So who knows? But the the reality is uh, that's what we know. And then we do know one thing here, which I have mixed opinions on, and that is, the now Lana Wachowski. I don't remember what Lana's original name was. Anyway, Lana Wachowski. I think it was Larry, right? I think it was. I don't know. Anyway, Lana Wachowski is the one directing. So it's not even the siblings. It's just Lana. So uh, I'm not entirely sure. They they put a script together that they'd co-written with Alexander Heeman and David Mitchell. And I'm not sure if they were part of the original team or not. Actually, I'd never heard those names before, but that's what we know. So I don't know. Wachowski, I'll tell you what, man, Wachowskis were brilliant and they were like crazy at (laughs) at the same time. So I don't know. Like, you know, the original matrix was brilliant and Jupiter ascending was what? So we don't know. Awful. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous because Wachowskis any, either of the Wachowskis are involved. I'm a little nervous because of Jupiter ascending. But here's the thing about Jupiter ascending. No, but here's the thing. The idea behind Jupiter ascending was brilliant. The execution was not. So they come up with great ideas. They just need a little bit more help executing it to the original matrix level of genius. Yes, I agree. Maybe they'll, have some renaissance. Who knows? That'd be awesome. But I want it to be good. Let's put it that way. Speaking of things we love and that we have, you know, nostalgia for Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> there, first of all, there have been rumors that, oh, there's a new reboot coming. That's what everybody was saying. There's a reboot. Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, seriously, that just Again? ended 10 years ago. And so the, uh, by the way, Mr. Robot creator is uh, going to executive produce this. And hmm. he has said, uh, no, it's not a reboot. It's a new series based on the 2004 to 2009 series. Sweet. That's so, good. Yes. It's not going to be based on the original 1978 Glenn Larson creation. It is the Ron Moore 2004 series and it's, yeah, it's not going to be a reboot. It's going to be an additional story that's going to, you know, explore the mythology 
but staying true to the spirit of the 2004 Battlestar Galactica. So again, Excellent. that's all we know. They're talking about potentially a 2020 release, but I don't know about that. It might be. It'll be 2022. You you watch probably 2022. Yeah, yeah. I think they got which is right around the corner, but yeah. still. So there yeah. you go. Very exciting. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited about that one uh, very much. So I about wet myself when Ron Moore's Battlestar came out in 2004 yeah. and, <laughs> and, uh, wow. And I, did. and I own the whole series. I own a box set of the series nice. uh, and I'll be watching it again soon. So life-size replica of the, of the Battlestar Galactica, right? No, but there is a little oh, toy, uh, Cylon that came with the, the set. Okay. I have a life-size replica of, of the Galactica, <laughs> but you know, just not here because well, actually in it. it's in my studio because of how big the studio is. But yes, it hovers. It hovers over your apartment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or your condo. So now, Captain, you've been watching something. Yeah. So I have a new idol to set alongside Carl Sagan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Carl Sagan's my idol. No apologies. I actually he didn't just know is. That. He's the only person I really sort of worship. If I could ever be said to worship a human being, Carl Sagan's right up there. Except for uh, me. But, you worship me, but other than that, yes. Uh, I'm not worthy. <laughs> um, but Netflix has a new series called Inside Bill's Brain, and it's mm. a three-part series about Bill Gates. I've always been on the fence about Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. I, I've always just known that he's a very rich, extremely successful, and very competitive individual who now has a very successful and huge foundation to help people. And that's all I've really known about him. So this biopic, it's a three-part series. I've only watched the first part, by the way, so far. But uh, just the first part, if even half of this of that first episode, if even half of it's true, Bill Gates is human potential personified, in my opinion. Because he's empathetic and sympathetic or whatever in, in the best possible way. And he's not out to just throw his money left and right and, and throw it down a giant toilet or... Or just, you know, give away, give away. He's not Robin Hood or anything like that. He still understands the whole concept of making a profit or uh, at least doing things in a, in, a, in a smart business sense, if you will, if not making a profit. I don't know about that. I don't think he's made a profit off of some of his endeavors. But he has his heart in the right place. And him and his wife, Melinda, are out to fix really, really big world problems that most of us have no idea are happening. Yeah. And the first, the whole first episode is about him and his quest to create and install better sanitation in Africa. I think sub-Saharan Africa specifically. And through this whole process, his foundation has developed these like miniature, self-sustaining, off-the-grid miniature um, water treatment plants, and they've installed them in Dakar, Senegal. Uh, that's I think that's the only place they mentioned, and I, I think it's actually working. And then also he held, he held this competition to have all these companies, these engineer firms, and these students or whatever. These groups of people came together and they had a contest to invent, who reinvent the world's toilet, basically. But everyone who submitted, they they all submitted these really interesting different designs, which by the way have been installed in various countries in a very 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 limited sense. But they couldn't get the price point down to where it would be realistically affordable by all the millions and billions, literally billions of people who live in ways that we can't even comprehend. I think they said that the statistic is like almost half the world's population. So three to 4 billion people live well below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. And we kind of intellectually, we, we know that, but we don't ever think about it because it's so uncomfortable. It makes us so uncomfortable to think that there are that many other human beings 
living in such dire straits through no fault of their own, just because they were born in the wrong place in the world at the wrong mm. time or whatever. And so Bill Gates is out to try and alleviate those people's suffering in a legitimate way. And that's, that's so cool. cool. Yeah, I mean, like neat. I said, even, if even half of it's true, I mean, the, the, the thing sort of watches as almost half propagandizing Bill. Mm. Like there's really nothing that's said that's bad about him. So even if you take the whole thing with a giant block of salt, you still have to come away with it going, wow, this guy's really got a good heart and, and he's clearly doing good things for the world. So I just think that if even half the world's billionaires and millionaires were half as intelligently empathetic as Gates, our world would be a totally different place. Oh yeah, for sure. That's all I have to say about it. That's cool. Man. So yeah, it was very impressive. That's fascinating. Yeah, let's check it out. Yeah, I, I am a good watch. Curious about him as well. I've always been on the fence as well about him. So cool. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that, man. Great discussion. Awesome discussion. Yes. And in order to finalize this episode in a way that is just unlike anything else you could have ever possibly imagined, I think we just need to deep thoughts with Captain Influence. I was trying to think up a deep thought when I heard my wife laugh evilly about something she read. I wonder what elicited such wicked glee. Someday I might have to strap her down and edit that crap out. Miss Ice, thanks for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> so Always glad fun. you came back. Yeah, that was, we need to do it again and again and again. So I'm saying this over and over that this show is better when you're on. Oh, thanks, Indeed. guys. So we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we're talking about Ad Astra next week, then I think I might have to. Oh, hey. Okay. Boom. Well, if you Boom. are able, we'll make it work around your schedule. That would be fine. All right. Let's talk about it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. It has been a glorious time. This has been fun. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Lots of fun things. And yeah, we'll have to talk more about more fun things next week. But you know what the music means? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's time to go. Everyone's probably like, no. thank God, this has been the longest episode ever. No. no, no. Uh, I think this is one of those that probably went by faster than... I agree. It's It warranted it. Yeah. All right, well... We'll have links in the show notes, stuff that Miss Ice mentioned. So go to realbryanshow.com. And thank you for joining us. Have a glorious rest of the week. The Real Brian Show, signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.